All right, here we are. This is Talkback, 721-1290 is our number. It's open phones, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Christensen is right over there. Hello, hello. Good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning. Wow, it was, uh, it was quite the, uh, it was quite the uh, city council meeting yesterday. We yes, had, it was, uh, <laughs> and it was at one o'clock when no one was really paying attention, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that 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 was the time they normally have their 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 meetings. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that uh, that that's what was going on, and um, there was a well. Let's see, it started at one thirty, and I think it went till about almost three o'clock. So there was wow. a lot of testimony there. There there was a, a lot of city officials uh, talking about. How wonderful it'll be when Higgins is reduced from four lanes to three lanes with a couple of bike lanes on either side. Uh, the majority of, of course, the people with the city were, yay, 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 this is the greatest thing ever. It's going to reduce uh, accidents. Uh, there, there were a couple folks, though, that were, that were not terribly happy about it. Um, <laughs> one, of them, one of them was uh, our, our Scott Bildu, who I interviewed the other day, if you remember, in mm-hmm. anticipation of yesterday's meeting. And uh, uh, he he was up there. But t- gave his you're allowed three minutes, right? When for public testimony. Mm-hmm. Well, he uh, he did his three minutes, and this this is how he closed his three minutes. See if I can get this to work. The, the idea that going down to one lane is somehow going to make things more efficient. It's like Galileo trying to explain that the, the sun is not revolving around Earth. I I, I am literally beside myself. Everybody I've talked to is literally scratching their head going, how in the world could this be a good idea? I, I think this could potentially be one of the worst mistakes in, in the entire history of Missoula. So, so there you go. That, that was, uh, uh, there, there's no, uh, let's say, there's no uh, uh, prevarication there. He, he was very, very upset. And he didn't mince words. Yeah, and, and the one thing Mr. Billadu did, did say was that um, he and many of the other business owners in downtown Missoula didn't know anything about this until just recently. Mm-hmm. However, for during testimony that was going on at the city council meeting, it began with uh, with Jeremy Keene and, and and some other folks uh, who are on this committee that they've been trying to hold meetings with people all over the downtown area for the last two years. Oh, really? A, about this <laughs> narrowing of Higgins. So uh, uh, you have to take them at their word. Uh, may, maybe they did have all the meetings, but maybe uh, Mr. Billadu's uh, 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 business, maybe they stopped by and they weren't there. They, they did mention that they did their very best to try to contact every business along from the hip strip all the way down to the X's, right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, people are busy, sometimes uh, they're closed or whatever. So a, a, a lot of folks evidently, or some folks, did not get the message. message. Uh, can you cue, uh, cue up the Aaron Wilson cut, too? I thought that was fascinating when he uh, talks about the number of crashes. Yes. Because uh, that, that one I had no idea. Okay, so this is Aaron Wilson. Here's what he had to say. We're seeing 55 crashes a year. It's one crash a week. One out of four of those crashes results in an injury. We think with this design, we can reduce crashes by as much as 50%, make it easier to get to downtown parking. We can preserve the majority of the on-street parking spaces. We can make it easier to walk, bike, and bus. The trade-off is about a minute of delay in the peak hour. So we can make other choices. We can preserve the lanes, but we'll still have congestion. There will still be times when when downtown is congested, and it may affect our ability to grow in downtown if if our only choice is to use cars. All right, now there was one more on on the pro side, and this is Jim Sayer. He used to be the uh, the head of Adventure Cycling, 
and uh, a, a guy that's really deep into the cycling community, right? And so he here's what he had to say. This was the last comment I used. Contrary to what you heard um, earlier, um, if you proceed with this project, what you will see is a major reduction in the number of car crashes, bike crashes, all those crashes, 55 now that are reported, you'll at least reduce that by 50%. And this is evidenced all over the U.S. from Knoxville to Wheat Ridge, Colorado. You can find loads of studies, and every one of them shows that you see a reduction in crashes. All right, so so there you have it. You have all, all sorts of assertions there. And we'd love to know what you folks think, because Higgins, from what I understand, from what I understand, this uh, this road, some are calling it a road diet, uh, others are calling it simply a road configuration. Uh, from what I see with the maps, and I'm not very good at reading them, but from what I see at the, in the maps, it's going to start right where Brooks comes into Higgins, right, and then goes uh, down through the hip strip, over the bridge, uh, past Broadway, all the way to the X's, which is where Higgins ends, right? And so what they want to do is uh, uh, reduce the lanes to one going each direction with uh, bicycle lanes, very, very high profile. Uh, I, I believe they may even be raised bicycle lanes uh, uh, going down both sides of the street so in order to enhance safety. So you listen to the whole meeting. I'm curious. I mean, obviously, both of these individuals mentioned, you know, 55 crashes. We right. can reduce crashes by 50 percent. Exactly. But it doesn't really explain exactly how that how reducing a lane would do that is because there's less cars on the road. I mean, yeah. how does that make it I, I, safer I, by having a bike lane instead of a car lane? I, I guess I, I, I think the chief villain here is the automobile. Okay, okay, that's that that that's what I that's what I heard <clears throat> because when you've got you know two lanes going each direction with with cars, uh, you know going back and forth, and then you've got bicycle lanes, very narrow bicycle lanes, by the way, along the side, if, as you know. Uh, of course, you're not allowed to ride your bike on the on the sidewalk, right? So mm-hmm. um, there are, there was quite a bit of testimony from people who called in who were there who simply don't even bike on Higgins anymore at all because mm. they saw it as too too dangerous. Did they define the crashes as like vehicle on vehicle or vehicle on pedestrian or vehicle on bicycle or this, did they just flatly say 55 crashes a year, one, one a week? One crash that was pointed out was evidently uh, where someone was struck on a bicycle and then dragged under an SUV for, you know, I, I don't know how, how far. It didn't say it was a fatality, but they said it was a pretty serious injury. So anyway... Um, I would love to know what you think about this. Uh, we're, we're, we have open phones from now until 9 o'clock this morning, and I think we have Paul uh, on the line right now. Paul, good morning. You're on TalkBack. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. I, I think a lot of – I'm sorry, my dog's going. Um, I think a lot of the, the issue and the confrontation that goes on in the city is a lack of trust with the, you know these statements about the accidents and comparing them to other cities. Um. And in the whole plan, the so-called master plan, which I call the master's plan, um, which began in about, I think it was 2009, 2010, 11, somewhere in there. Yeah, it was 2009, yeah. And I was at those meetings, and I was at the first presentation of the downtown um, meeting, and I still have the video of that. If, if I, You might have it if, if it's in your email records. Um, but I sent that to everybody, and the, the most... Um, striking thing about the whole downtown association presentation by these guys from, I think they were south from South and North Carolina, you know, hooked the WGM and 
probably Jackson Construction and others, um, is that there was nothing in there that that gave really residents anything. It was it was all about the hotels um, and the area of the downtown. It was before they formed this taxing district downtown, um, which to me is like the most inequitable thing in the world. It's like, okay, you have these people downtown, the big wigs, and they get, they get to form their own taxing district and have more power than most of the residents in the city. And then as far as the accidents downtown, I think the configuration of doing the, you know, the lane, you have two lanes coming in and one lane ends, you have to make a left or, or have to merge to do what you want to do, especially like on Broadway coming from the south. Um, it's like it's designed to make it hard. Um, like you say, in narrow bike lanes. You bet. Hey, and then, uh, Paul, you know, when they did the bridge, Paul, they had the bridge, they have the... Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, the sidewalks on both sides are really wide. And it's like, if you really wanted bikes to go across, you could actually paint the line down the center on one side, or even both sides, and there'd still be room for people to walk. Um, and that'd be safer than bikes going across with the cars. All right. Paul, we're, um, up, we're up against a break. Then, Th- thanks thanks for okay. your call. Well, we appreciate that. We're going to come you. right back. 721-1290 is our number. Uh, we'll get Emmett's call. I also have a response from Gwen Jones. I sent out to her, uh, the, one of the city council, I believe, from, uh, from Ward 3. And I'll be uh, sharing that response when we come back. Okay, we're back on TalkBack. I'm just going to take a quick second here. Just got a text from Gwen Jones. I asked her specifically about how the plan will go because uh, it was hard for me to, (laughs) with my limited brain power, to to see the map and see exactly what it looked like. But she says, and I quote, The proposed plan is that Higgins will go from four lanes down to three lanes from the Brooks-Higgins intersection, which is what I thought, up to the bridge. Now, over the bridge, it'll be two lanes because you don't need a turn lane, the middle of a bridge, obviously. And then from the north side of the bridge to Broadway, again, it will go from four lanes down to three lanes. From Broadway to the X's, it's already three lanes with protected bike lanes. That project was done a few years ago. One caveat is for the block from the Brooks and Higgins intersection to 6th Street, where Hellgate High School is. It's a little bit of a different configuration because they're going to keep most of that parking, and I'm not remembering it right now exactly what they're doing with the lanes in that area. I'd have to uh, look at the visuals again. But in general, other than two lanes on the bridge, it'll be four down to three lanes all the way from Hellgate High School down to the X's. So that's from uh, City Councilor Gwen Jones. Uh, is that something... That you favor. I mean, they've already decided ten to two they're going to do it. So oh, yeah, it doesn't matter what we think. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get Emmett on the line. Emmett, good morning. You're on Talkback. Go ahead, sir. Thanks. Um, first, before I want to bring up my main topic um, about this whole thing on Higgins, I do take the bus um, down Higgins down to like some of the shops on the hip, hip strip and you know that kind of thing pretty frequently. On um, you know the Rock and Rudy's down there, ear candy, a whole bunch of great stuff. That won't affect my bout route six, will it? Because I still need to get down in that area, down to the hip strip. I hope I can still take the bus. Yeah, you should be. You should be fine. Oh, that's good. Okay, well, I guess I really don't care much then about four lanes to three. I don't drive. I think I would care more if I drove down in that area. It would affect me more as long as I can take the numbers. You know that kind of thing. Oh, and go down there. But I really wanted to talk about the serious and horrible issue of 
what happened to Tyree Nichols. Did you see the video last week? Yes, I yes, was I did. second. It was it was terrible. Yeah, and absolutely. and those 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 individuals have been arrested. They've been ousted from the force. They will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Well, I'm grateful for that. Very absolutely, much grateful. Absolutely shameful. But we do need police reform, definitely. For one, you know, something like this should never have happened in the first place. It should never have happened again. But these Scorpion units, I know that I'm for. I'm all for anti-gang violence units and anti-gang units. I, I was born and raised in Tucson. It was terrible. I'm sure it's worse now. But these militarized units where they treat the public as the enemy, as if they're in a war zone, I know they are, but, you know, you don't stop and frisk everyone and throw everyone to the ground and arrest everyone for just getting a pizza or trying to get home. These have got to end. And I think that really, as far as uh, you know, hiring people for the police force, we need better screening. We can't, you know, well, we have a lot of great officers, and we have some, a lot of them in Missoula. It's a very relaxed constitutional police force. You know, I don't know how they're getting these officers that they're hiring that are basically psychopaths. A lot of the, some of them, not all of them, not all of them, not the majority. Well, but can't we have better screening? They're, 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 they're certainly the ones that are causing headlines, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are, and we yeah. need to weed them out by better screening. Okay. better Not just better training, but better screening. What do you feel about, how do you feel about blacks, about Jews, about, you know, racial issues, this kind of thing? Better psychological profiles, and I mean, I saw on the news with the Scorpion units, what, what, a, what a name to call an anti-crime unit. It sounds more... Uh, like something you'd see out of Germany or in the in the Nazi era, scorpion. It's Let's it, go it, after the it, 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 it's just a, a hip name that that I think that's what they like. So hey, listen, Emmett, we well, got they, we, we got to move on. Only three days training. Okay. Okay, buddy. Th- right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Doug. Good morning. You're on Talkback. Thanks for holding, sir. What's on your mind? Well, I can add a lot of history to this. <laughs> I have <clears throat> been driven as a child. And I have driven uh, Higgins Avenue for a total of since 1946. And I remember when Higgins Avenue was a single lane in each direction. And uh, the sidewalks were three feet narrower. And the cars parked on both sides of the street, angle parking. And uh, the town, that was the only business district in Missoula. And... I I still drive Higgins Avenue twice a day, and I have never, ever seen an accident in, say, from Hellgate High School uh, up to the X's. And I just can't believe that they say there's that many accidents um, in that area. Well, they, 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 the said, they, they said there were 55 accidents last year, so there you go. That's, that, that's the number well, that they came up with. I drive that area uh, in the, during the during the day, and I've never seen one. So I just thought I'd toss that in. All right. Well, thank you thank for you. your call, sir. It's a pleasure hearing from you. Thank you. Uh, Willis is up next. Good morning, Willis. How are you, sir? Hi, Pete. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, Good to hear your voice again. Ran for mayor, and he promised to fix the Broadway diet. I'm sorry? And it was a tie vote on uh, fixing the diet, and he voted to keep the diet on. And his reasoning was because the state of Montana was going to charge him uh, all the engineering money and money that they spent on converting a Broadway to a two-lane road. 
Okay. I wonder if that's going to happen with the bridge. That's seventeen million bucks. Yeah, seventeen million dollars for the for the bridge now, and it's not even finished yet. It, it won't be really be finished until the spring when well, they put all the extra stuff on it. You can't do it until it, the warm, weather is warmer. So, so, so if they re, if they redesign it, is then the state, state going to charge the city for all that money? Well, you know, I don't think they can re- redesign. Uh, basically, from what I understood, the people that I spoke to, it's basically a matter of where they're going to put the the lines, right? Uh, they, they, yeah. they, there's no big well, construction that has to be done. Lines on Broadway too. Yeah, it's a matter of where they put the lines on Broadway too, and they're going to have to reimburse the state. So, aren't they going to have to reimburse the state all that money? I do not know. Okay, me either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. Say but, maybe we could find out, and yeah. we can sure try to find out. You bet. That's that's a seventeen million dollar expense tag. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, I, I think uh, I, we might be giving the folks at the Montana Department of Transportation a call. Uh, we've got some numbers there. We, we might see if we can get some answers for you. Okay, thanks. Well, Willis, it's always a pleasure to hear your voice, sir. Thanks for the call. All right, thanks, Pete. Bye. Oh, you take care. We're gonna, we have a quick break. We're going to be right back. We have Tom waiting to visit with us. And in about 10 minutes, we'll be joined by Austin Knutson, our Montana State Attorney General. Back with, with more after this. No, healthy life. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have it memorized by now. Oh, yeah. Yes, and so do all of our listeners. All yeah, right, sorry. let's mm. move on. We've got Tom waiting. Tom, thanks for holding. You're on Talkback. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good morning, guys. I guess if you have one less lane, you'll have one one less lane full of potholes. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I was going <laughs> to one less lane. You know, you don't have to worry about those potholes in that extra lane anymore. Anyway, so I did. I'd like to talk about this fellow that you used to have on. It's probably been at least a year, maybe a year and a half ago, and I can't think of the name. And it, it seemed like it started with an M. And he was um, some guy that was always talking about COVID nineteen and how. Uh, you know, President oh, Dr. Margella, uh, Dr. Peter Margella. Yeah. For Peter Margella. Well, uh, what happened to him after we found out that all the stuff that he was probably talking about was not exactly accurate? So I just wondered where Dr. Margella is these can, days. Can, and, can, uh, can, can we get him on again? Well, he was one of Bob's guests. So I, I yeah. never scheduled uh, Peter, but I can reach out to Bob and say, hey, People are wondering, and you know, enough time has gone by that maybe he'd want to come back on and uh, for our, talk about for a re- experience, yeah, yeah, a retrospective, if you will, right? Yeah, well, I, I always get Bob and Rob mixed up. <laughs> uh, Rob, 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 Rob Nadelson is from the the Institute in Colorado, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. The the in, and then, Independence and so Institute. And forth. Okay, and Bob is the guy that brought Peter. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there now that we know a lot more. And he was always, oh, master this, and, you know, we need this and that, and we should shut down the world. And, well, you know, the, it turns the, out that the, the probably one, was... Yeah, the, the one thing that he did say uh, and, and that stuck in my head was uh, how important it is, and say with me, Nick, manage the, the message. message. <laughs> what he was yeah. concerned about is that all these doctors all over the world will be flooding the airwaves with all sorts of differing information. He was right about that. And, and they certainly did. And he said, that it, we need to have just one source of good, truthful information that people can depend on. And unfortunately, that never really happened. No, and, and it, it turned out that, well, I don't know how much of it. Luckily, you know, I have a lot of friends and people that, that live uh, out of state, and the, they were completely here. Yeah, we, were, we were very lucky here to 
just have a small shutdown. And then, you know, even if the mask, they said, wear a mask, you didn't have to. And, uh, you know, so uh, I, I think the freedom we have in Montana is great. So anyway, uh, and I just uh, also with this, this street closure or whatever, for the, you know, how many bicycles are going to use that, that road in the wintertime? You know, it's about six, seven months out of the year when there's not a bicycle, one or two go up and down that road. Well, if, 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 I may, if, I may inter, if I may interject here, you would not believe yeah. how many bicycles I see, even when it's snowing and when oh, it's yeah. cold. Uh, some, <laughs> some folks, that's their only form of transportation. And, you know, when you're trying to ride a bike yep. on a snowy street or an icy street, man, I, I, I feel for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess, you know, you buy your ticket and take your chances. But uh, I don't think that the majority of people in Missoula actually want this, but it doesn't matter what the people in Missoula want anymore. <laughs> well, the, 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 let, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. The people elected their city councilors. Yep. And so uh, Absolutely. The, uh, the, the, these are the folks you voted for. And this is what you want, you know. So and, and, yeah, well, and the vote was 10 to 2. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. Well, it, you get one party rule and you'll see where it gets you. So anyway, thanks, fellas. I'll be listening to the attorney general. Sounds Thank good, you. sir. Thanks for the call. All right. Well, that's that's going to do it for open phones. We have exactly one minute before we have to take a quick commercial break here. I can tell you I'm not a fan of groundhogs today. I'm sure people <laughs> saw that we're getting six more weeks of winter. That groundhog decided to see its shadow again. But... The what? the other groundhog, I think it was a uh, uh, Staten Island Phil or, or Punxsutawney or no Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah. There was Staten Island Bob or whatever. He did not see his shadow. Oh, I didn't hear that. So we have okay. conflicting reports. Hey, you I, want to talk about managing the message? Yeah, that's on. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is absolutely you know we we unbearable. We can't have differing groundhogs. <laughs> For heaven's sake, some there's got to we be need a, a third groundhog. There's to got break to be the a, a groundhog authority somewhere. Right. So, <laughs> Shame. We'll have to form a committee. We'll just have to wait until spring arrives, and then we'll know who was lying. Yeah, our two weeks of spring we're going to get. Woohoo! Anyway, yeah. all right. Oh well. Whew. Okay, Austin Knutson's going to join us <laughs> in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, we have a lot of important information to share when he's on. So stay with us. That's coming up. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Talkback is underway now, brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. For all your New York favorites, they've got New York cheesecake and locks and cannolis and fabulous bagels at Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery, pardon me, uh, uh, at uh, Broad- Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery, located on North Reserve. Also brought to you by uh, Phillips Janitorial, residential and commercial cleaning, and no job is too big or too small. So give them a call today at 260 we are back, and it is Talk Back this morning. We are privileged to have with us uh, with uh, Austin Knutson, our Attorney General. Welcome, sir. It's good to have you. Good morning, Peter. Great being here, always. Thanks. Yeah, I, I was going to say honorable, but you always kick up a fuss when I do that. So <laughs> so let, let, let's jump right in here. Uh, you, you have given us all sorts of things. Your, your department and all of state government right now is really clamping down and really getting serious about uh, some very serious issues. So I wanted to give you the floor to go ahead and talk about those things. Please, uh, please go ahead. Well, thank you, Peter, and th- thanks to your listeners for, for listening in. Yeah, well, uh, folks, I, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone in the state. You, you've heard me talk about it on here before. We're facing a crime and a drug problem in Montana. Uh, the numbers bear that out. I'm, I'm not much of an alarmist. I, I'm not one who likes to cry wolf, but the, 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 the numbers speak for themselves. 
since about 2016, 2015, our violent crime numbers in Montana have been climbing quite rapidly, quite steadily, uh, and, and, and they don't seem to be tapering off. When I'm talking about violent crime, I'm talking about the bad stuff. I'm talking homicides, assaults, aggravated assaults, assaults with a weapon, sex assaults, rapes. I mean, the really, really nasty, ugly stuff that, you know, for, for a lot of our state's history, we just didn't see a lot of. But the fact is, Montana is being flooded with Mexican cartel methamphetamine and fentanyl. Uh, and again, that's not my opinion. You, you, you might disagree with me on that, but I can give you facts and data about it. We, we know where these drugs are coming from. And the amounts that, that we are seeing coming into our state are just staggering, Peter. So this is what's driving the violent crime rate up. Uh, and, and, and we have to address it. I mean, my, my job as the chief law enforcement officer in the state of Montana is to make sure that your listeners can run their businesses, can, can take their kids to school, can live their lives, raise their families, go to their work, and not have to worry about violent crime. Uh, so I, I take that job very seriously. That's something that I think is, a, is it's one of the constitutional obligations that government in the state of Montana has to fulfill. Uh, so that's why we're in front of the Montana legislature right now. Uh, our, our entire agency budget is up for review right now in front of the joint subcommittee. And we're pitching for some, some modest increases to law enforcement resources in Montana, because we really haven't done it in a long time, Peter. All right. Now, I understand you you, you are specifically asking for some increases uh, in personnel uh, to help on these particular pro- uh, projects and, and problems in the state of Montana. What specifically can you share about what you're asking for? Yeah, I can get very specific. Listen, one of the first things I did when I, when I took over this job is we, we got rid of a lot of bureaucratic do nothing jobs here in Helena. I hate that kind of jobs. I, 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 I'm not interested in giving people state jobs for the sake of state jobs. We're looking for actual boots on the ground, narcotics officers, major crimes agents, highway patrol troopers. Uh, we, we need more resources out in the field to help us investigate and fight this, this violent crime and drug problem we've got in the state. So that's what I'm asking for. So you asked for specifics. Let's start with narcotics. I mean, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, but here are some numbers. Just since January 11th, so just a couple of weeks ago here, we've had 28 fentanyl overdoses in Montana, including eight deaths. That's pretty staggering when you're talking about, you know, the span of about 10 days. Uh, But that's really what, what, what about that 28 overdoses happened in. We know we are just absolutely being bombarded by cartel fentanyl and cartel methamphetamine. Uh, the, the Narcotics Bureau within the State Division of Criminal Investigation, not a large bureau, but they're, they're out doing the, doing the great work. They're doing the undercover work. They're doing the task force work. Uh, and they're making some of the big busts that you've seen in news lately. So we're in front of the, the Appropriations Committee. I'm asking for three more narcotics officers. That might not sound like much, but to places like Missoula, to places like Yellowstone County and Billings, uh, that's going to be a force multiplier for us because we're working with, with federal, federal drug task forces as well. So that's one. Let's talk about human trafficking. 
you guys have heard me talk about this one as well. This is a problem in Montana that I think most Montanans don't actually know exists, but this is a huge issue in Montana. We're talking about slavery, modern-day slavery, sex slavery usually, uh, people being forced into the illicit sex trade against their will by some really, really disgusting, heinous individuals. Just a couple years ago, we had no dedicated personnel dealing with human trafficking. Uh, A couple years ago in the legislature, they gave me two agents. These two agents are absolutely overwhelmed. Uh, The the, the more layers of this onion we peel back, the stinkier it gets. Uh, And we need some more help in human trafficking. Our, Our human trafficking cases at the state have increased just absolutely exponentially. And so I'm asking for four more human trafficking agents here at DCI to help us with this absolutely heinous problem. I understand also you, you want an additional prosecutor, a prosecutor to go along with those investigators. Is that correct? Yeah, that is right. So one of the issues that we found with, with human trafficking, and, and, and just so folks know, I mean, what, what we're talking about here, I would say probably used to be considered prostitution. And I think that's probably one of the problems we've got is that I think there was the, the, the wrong idea that this was a, a victimless crime. You know, you've got two willing parties. Who is really being hurt? That's just not how this trade works. Nobody is doing this on their own accord. Okay, no, Nobody is a willing prostitute. Or, or I would say if there are any, it's, it's one out of 100. The other 99 are being forced into this against their will by people who are coercing them either physically, through, through use of drugs, some sort of coercion. Uh, but what we have found is not just on the law enforcement side, but we've also found on, on the prosecutor side, we don't have a lot of county attorneys and, and prosecutors who really understand these cases, who know the law really well, and are able to successfully prosecute them. That's why we see a lot of these cases go, go, go federal. Uh, I, I want to change that. So we're asking for one prosecutor, one dedicated prosecutor at, here at the Department of Justice whose focus is going to be human trafficking, they're going to become a subject matter expert, and they can help all the county attorneys around the state prosecute these cases because we are seeing them all over the all over the state. All right. Now, with that, Austin, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we've got a, a few more of these topics to go. The phone lines are filling up, so as soon as we can, we'll, we'll get to our callers. But really, it's very important to allow our attorney general to get this important information out. We'll continue with that when we return right after this. We are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. we got a whole lot of folks uh, uh, queued up to talk with the Attorney General. But there's a few more things we want to cover before we get to that. So uh, go ahead. Uh, Austin, you want to talk about roadways and major crimes. So please go ahead, sir. Well, let's start with major crimes. So I, I, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but we also have a major crimes bureau here at the Division of Criminal Investigation within the Department of Justice. So what do they do? Well, we've got a lot of really rural police jurisdictions in Montana, right? You've got, you've got local sheriff's offices. You've got local police departments. Um, you know, there in Missoula County, they're probably used to seeing some of the nastier, bigger crimes. But if you're talking about, like, Treasure County, Prairie County, over on my side of eastern Montana, you've got a lot of law enforcement that maybe isn't used to dealing with a major crime scene like that. What, so, so if you're the Prairie County Sheriff and you do come across a violent homicide crime scene, what do you do? Well, you call DCI, and, and that's when we send in the major crimes unit. 
Uh, so they're, I mean, the, the, this is a CSI team. Uh, if you watch TV, this is exactly the kind of stuff they do. They come in and they process the, the really difficult investigations. Peter, we, we are seeing the demand on that bureau just absolutely skyrocket. Uh, that team, and it's a small team, I'm, I'm not talking about even dozens of agents. I'm maybe talking about 10 or 11 major crimes agents here within the state of Montana. And they are so busy, they are running all over the state. Because the other thing they investigate is nearly all the officer-involved force incidents. So whenever we have an officer discharge their firearm in, in the line of duty, typically DCI major crimes is who comes in and investigates those cases. We know those incidents are, are, are going up. We're seeing a lot more suicide by cop. Uh, that, that is actually a quite staggering, uh, concerning statistic that we are seeing rise in Montana. Uh, but we're seeing a lot more officer-involved shootings, um, you know, particularly in Yellowstone County, but certainly not just there. So there's a huge demand on these agents and, 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 and for their skill set to travel all over the state. Um, I, I got to tell you, I'm worried about them. I'm worried about them because they're so busy. There's such a huge demand for them. Um, I, I'm afraid that we're going to start missing something or, or cost us a prosecution. And, and, and that isn't a knock on those, on those agents. They're amazing. I, I have literally worked with them firsthand. They do such great work but they are incredibly spread thin. They are burning both candles on both ends of all the candles. Uh, if you'll pardon me mixing my metaphors a little bit, but um, so we're going to go in and, and we've asked for three additional major crimes agents here at DCI. I, I think that's a, that's a modest, but very, very necessary investment in law enforcement. And the last thing of course is our highways. Uh, you talk about the Montana Highway Patrol. We've got hundreds of thousands of miles here in the state of Montana of back roads, side highways, major highways, go down the list. There's about 230 troopers, and they're not all on at the same time. You know, there's different shifts. There's night shift. There's day shift. There's, there's sicknesses. There's vacations. Uh, so it isn't like we've got an army of highway patrol out on our highways in Montana, but we know that is exactly where the Mexican drug cartels are bringing in their larger and larger shipments of illicit drugs. Uh, we are interdicting almost every day now bigger and bigger shipments of Mexican cartel fentanyl, Mexican cartel methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin. Uh, uh, we're, we are just absolutely being bombarded by this stuff. And, and, and then, you know, put, put aside the drug issue. Let's just talk about normal road policing. You know, we had a big pileup down there south of Missoula at Drummond yesterday. Right. Uh, I-90 at, at Big Timber has been closed for a couple of days due to ground blizzard conditions. Lots of crashes. And when you're talking about a state whose population is really pretty rapidly increasing, um, that's a bigger and bigger strain on our highway patrol troopers. So, again, we've gone to the legislature, and we've asked very modest increase. We've asked for five more Highway Patrol troopers to help us out with the increased demand for their service. 
You got it. Tell you what, uh, let's go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, we're going to dive right into these callers and get as many of them on as we can. We have Harry, Kevin, Susan, Emmett, a whole lot of folks who are all waiting to visit with you. Uh, Austin Knudsen is our attorney general. He's going to take your calls right after this. Hey, we're back on TalkBack. Let's get right to it. Uh, Austin Austin Knudsen, our Attorney General, is on the phone right now, and we're going to start with Harry. Harry, good morning. You're on with Austin Knudsen. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good morning, Austin. Yeah, uh, I talked to you about three months ago, and you made some claims. About, well, we all agree that the fentanyl coming across the border is provided by the cartels, but it's how it's getting across the border. You made some claims, and uh, you were right on one point that the most of it is being bought in by uh, individuals, not through commercial freight. But the other points that you said were not quite right, because, and this is compiled by the Cato Institute, which I don't think is, any, uh, is a, not a left-leaning or leftist organization. And they, use, they were using the uh, stats from the federal convictions, but uh, they, that the majority, like 83% of the people bringing it in are U.S. citizens, and uh, not not uh, you know poor uh, people coming in you know cross uh, on their foot, and ninety uh, percent are being brought in through the standard uh, crossings, the uh, you know or the major uh, uh, where cars go. So it's you know it's not all these the poor people. I think the they said point zero two percent of the people you know the uh, coming across on foot were found to have any fentanyl on them at all. So um, I know I understand it's a good a Republican talking point and a good way of demonizing all illegal immigrants. But uh, if I make claims, you should be able to, uh, you know, check. It was an easy checkup. I mean, it was a quick Google check to find out that that those claims aren't true. Well, Harry, let's let let's let him answer your question. Thanks for the call. Uh, go ahead, Austin. Well, Harry, I mean, I I appreciate you you doing some Google foo, and and heaven knows if it's on the internet, it must be true. I, I guess what I would say to you is I, I challenge you to go down there. Go down and talk to Customs and Border Patrol. Go down and talk to the Texas Department of Public Safety and see what they're dealing with. Uh, and, and I, look, I don't dispute that a majority of that, uh, uh, of the illicit drugs, at least from the conviction rate, right, because that's what you're talking about. You're talking about federal convictions. And I would make the case that federal convictions are far down right now because they're simply not enforcing laws on the border. But let's let let's let's go with your thought here. Uh, it, fine, yeah. Most of their convictions are resulting from from investigations that are coming across the major points of entry. I'll, I'll I'll concede that point as far as federal convictions. I would also make the point, and and, and let me back up. There's no demonization of you know poor quote unquote poor migrant people coming across the border. You're going to accuse me of of, of spouting Republican rhetoric. I'm going to fire that right back at you and, and, and accuse you of spouting liberal Democrat rhetoric. Uh, no one's got any problem with, with migrants entering our country. Heaven knows my great-grandparents were poor migrants coming from another country. But they did it the right way. They came in legally, following the laws of this country. They didn't sneak in. Uh, and I can tell you, anyone who's coming across that border down there is paying the cartel one way or the other. Nothing is coming across that southern border without a drug cartel getting a piece of the action. So even if someone is coming across that border not muling drugs, they have certainly paid one way or the other, whether it's the cartel forcing them into, in, into forced sexual human, human trafficking 
or just paying their way across Mexico and to get across that border. So I'm going to throw this right back at you, buddy. Go do a little of your own homework. All right. Let's get another call in. This is Kevin. Kevin's up next. Hey, Kevin, you're on with Austin Knutson. Go ahead, sir. Well, good morning. Thank you, Austin, for uh, uh, being on the show and taking our calls. Hey, uh, Mr. Knutson, uh, you know, one of the things that is very frustrating, I think, for everybody else is it starts from the ground up. It just seems like in the last five years, even moving violations aren't being enforced and they've been laxed. We got people driving around with expired license plates and no insurance. We got people driving with bright lights within 500 feet behind people, I mean, approaching people, and 200 feet um, with their big new bright lights. And that's against the law, but it's not being enforced. And then we're talking about right now is we're being invaded with the cartel um, over the borders with drugs. And where it's very frustrating getting that enforced. The first thing is, why are we doing business with Mexico and trading and letting Mexico, letting the cartel have the run of the country and letting these and letting these people go over the borders? Right. We need to put our feet down, put our feet down and say no more. Get the National Guard down out of the borders and we're being invaded. We're, it's an evasion. So it's like oh, we got to start somewhere, but we got to put our foot down and say a law is a law. Violations are against the law. They need to be enforced. Someone's got to pay for it. Okay, let's let him answer that question. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Okay, Thanks. we got about two and a half minutes for a break. Austin, it's all yours. Kevin, a lot of great points there, but let's, let, let's talk about the border stuff because you're, you're exactly right. And, and this, this is exactly why Montana, my office, and frankly, a lot of our sister states have filed so many lawsuits against the Biden administration to enforce federal immigration law. We're not asking for new laws. We're just asking them to enforce the laws that are on the books right now, for heaven's sake, because they're not doing it. Um, what, what I would say, you know, why are we allowing Mexico to behave like this? I, I think that's a fantastic point. And I'm going to go back to the Trump administration. I don't care what you think about President Trump. The fact is, that guy put his foot down on Mexico. He threatened to slap them with a 50% tariff rate on all of their goods that come, come into the United States if they didn't secure their own border. Now, they thought he was bluffing. And, and it turns out he wasn't. I mean, they, they went right down to the red line with, with President President Trump, and he said, fine, we're, we're going to do it. And you know, what ha- you know what happened? They blinked. Uh, they, they got control of their own border. They, they stemmed the flow of migrants flooding across from their side to our side uh, because there was the real threat of a huge economic sanction that would have crippled their economy. That's the kind of leadership and, and, and the kind of enforcement that's needed right now. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think your point about the National Guard is certainly salient. I do not envy my colleagues down in Texas. Uh, I mean, they're, they're having to deploy their own state highway patrol down to the southern border to enforce the border because the feds aren't being allowed to do it. Um, so lots of stuff to unpack there. Uh, the license and registration stuff being expired Listen, uh, Steve Bullock put us under COVID rest- restrictions, and that created a giant bottleneck at the, at the motor vehicle division. We, we couldn't get renewals done in time. We couldn't get expired license plates and, and title registrations renewed. We're still digging out of that backlog. Um, so, yeah, that, that certainly was, was a real issue, and it, it, it continues to be one for us. 
Okay, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We have uh, Susan Skip Emmett, Mr. Wingnut, Va, and Adam all waiting to talk with you in the next half hour. So we'll do the best we can. We'll be back right after this. Okay, we're back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. We promise we'll get as many calls as we can for our Attorney General, Austin Knutson. Susan, you're at the top of the list. Good morning. Well, I really appreciate what our Attorney General is doing, and I totally agree that we need to increase uh, police presence in Montana across the board. Um, I will say that we are not dealing with illegal migrants we're, a deal, we're dealing with illegal aliens, and I really get frustrated that the media and everyone is calling them migrants because that gives a tone of somehow that they're nice people, and, and maybe they are nice people. Some of them are, but uh, they are the legal term for them is illegal aliens, and as a friend of people that own property on the on the border, I can assure you the ranchers and the farmers and even the managers of National Wildlife Refuges are being devastated. The lands are being trashed. And I don't understand why more is being done by the local states and the private owner, uh, private property owners. And maybe there can be a cooperation and maybe there is a cooperation with states like Montana, to send personnel to the border to stop this illegal influx so that those people, those illegal aliens, are literally stopped and sent back, um, either with force or in some fashion stopped. And I, I would like him to comment on that. And also, please tell us, which bills we need to approach our legislators about to support you um, so that they for sure vote for them. All right, Susan, thanks for the call. Go ahead, Austin. Yeah, some great points there, Susan, and always good to hear from you. Uh, listen, I, I, I think you're spot on. I've, I've talked to some landowners down there. I, I feel horrible for those folks. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked with one gentleman who literally is a farmer right across the line, I mean, he's, he, he farms on the Rio Grande River right there at Del Rio, Texas, a uh, large irrigation, large agriculture community. Uh, and it was interesting. He's, he's growing sugarcane. He's had to hang signs out in his field warning illegal migrants at, during certain times of the year, hey, don't hide in here because I have to burn this field. And the number of dead bodies that that farmer has had to find in his, can you imagine how horrifying that would be for a farmer? You're out doing your job, tending your fields. And as you're doing so, you come across multiple dead bodies laying in your agricultural field. That's, that's horrifying. That's something that a private landowner, a, a, a farmer shouldn't have to deal with. The problem we've got, Susan, and, and, and I agree with you that the, the states are having to step up. Unfortunately, we don't have any constitutional authority over the borders. That is squarely the jurisdiction and authority of the federal government. And, and that's very clear under the U.S. Constitution, which, which makes this so difficult for states like Texas, for states like Arizona, that want to step up and do more <clears throat> to secure their borders, but they run afoul of the U.S. Constitution and a federal government that's just ignoring their obligation 
to enforce the law. Now, as far as what can we do, uh, certainly send some help down there. And, and we've done that. Governor Gianforte has, has, has sent members of the National Guard, the Montana National Guard, to the southern border. I've sent members of our highway patrol down, frankly, to help out the Texas Highway Patrol and, and, and the Texas Department of Public Safety. Um, and, and, and that's a win-win for us because I send our criminal interdiction troopers down and they learn about dealing with cartels firsthand. And they bring that knowledge back here to Montana, and, and that's already borne fruit for us. Um, so that that's very important. I, I wish there was more I could do. But, you know, like I said, we've only got a handful of troopers in Montana. It isn't like I've got thousands of, of troops I can send down there. I, I, I just can't. Let's, uh, let's um, go ahead. Bills you, go ahead. Well, I, I, real quick, bills you can support. House Bill 2, that's the state budget. That's what we're doing right now. That's the big one. That that's the budget. Uh, the, the the law enforcement increases that we've asked for, hugely important. Call your legislators. Tell them to support House Bill Two, the state budget. Uh, another one I'll flag for you: House Bill One Twelve One One Two. That is a major overhaul of our state's human trafficking laws. Very important bill. Uh, our our laws were outdated. We were still talking about prostitution, and we're still slapping people on the wrist for for ordering girls online. It's time to crack down on that, and House Bill 112 is the answer. So big priority for me. Okay, let's get Skip on the line next. Skip, good morning. You're on with Austin Knutson, our Attorney General. Go ahead, sir. Well, thank you, Peter. And, and Austin, uh, Susan stole some of my thunder because I think it's wonderful that the people can finally find out what some of the specific bills are. And the number they can call if they don't want to go online is 444-4800. You can either talk to the operator or... You can uh, online, you can tell what bills you want your legislator, senator or representative to uh, to get behind so that you can help our, our our state law enforcement in every way. And that you can tell them the up to, I think, five legislators that you would like to address that that you as an individual and where you live, what you would like them to to get behind. And so I, I'm happy you put those numbers out and please do right before the end of the hour again, because it's, it's the only way, especially during a legislative session that, that you can get right up close and personal and be involved, interactive with what's going on on the floor. And so thank you for all that. But I also want you to know that locally you can get together with people like your sheriff and under sheriff and they actually have equipment that you can help them buy. In this case, I'll say cameras and, and different things that are tools so that we can finally get these slime balls. It takes, it takes eyeballs to get the slime balls uh, off the street. Thanks for letting me vent, but uh, thank you for your hard work, sir. I'll get off the phone. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I know a lot of good things there, Austin. A lot of great things. Eyeballs to get slime balls. Skip, I'm going to steal that one. I like that one. That's that's catchy. But you're 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 dead on. Uh, listen, folks, Skip Skip is is exactly right here. One of the great things about Montana, it's 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 easy to vote and then then get apathetic and say, well, my vote doesn't matter. I I, I make no difference. You absolutely can, and I'm talking about this from my own experience as a state legislator. Your local legislators are accountable to you, and believe me, they listen to you. If you are one of their constituents, 
and you send them a message or you call them or you grab them in the hallways of the Capitol or catch them out on the street, they will listen to you because, because they have to. And, and again, I, I've been there. There's nothing more powerful than local constituent input at the legislature. Don't just let your legislator go to Helena and, and forget about them and, 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 and kind of run, run wild by themselves. Keep them honest. Uh, keep after them. Let them know what you're thinking. Let them know what bills you, you, you think they should be supporting or not supporting. You can email them. You can send them paper messages. Those go right to their desks, and believe me, they read them, especially if it's from within their home district. And this is from so, a former legislator uh, that is uh, talking here, right? Have you, you've been there. I, I've been there once or twice. Yeah, <laughs> I, absolutely. It's, it's very effective. And again, one of the really great things about Montana is that you can get to your local elected officials. You bet. And with that, we're up against a break. We're going to come right back. We have Emmett and Mr. Wingnut and Va. Uh, we'll try to get, as, again, as many calls in and really appreciate Austin Knutson uh, being willing to take all these calls. He'll continue to do that when we return right after this. Okay, we're back on Talk Back. I'm Peter Christian, Nick Christensen over there, being a very busy producer, uh, uh, getting all, all the folks in line to talk with Austin Knutson, our Attorney General. Emmett's up next. Emmett, good morning. You're on with Austin Knutson. Go ahead. Well, thanks for taking my call. Well, I agree with you. We have to uh, crack down on, no, on violent crime and organized crime. And I thank you for what you said about Harry's call. I completely agree. But there is one concern I do have. You know, I'm against gangs, against crime, but I'm against uh, scorpion units, those type of militarized units that we had with the um, beating death of Tyree Nichols and other problems that we've had with those kind of units in larger cities. The last thing I want is to see a scorpion-type unit here in Montana that go, just goes after citizens for no reason. I'm glad, I'm glad we're going to get some extra officers. That's important. But I just don't want people being stopped and frisked in their cars going down the Montana highways for no reason to see if they're drugs, or someone walking down the Montana highways of Florence and being stri- uh, um, searched by an officer or stopped and frisked by a highway patrolman like, do you have warrants for your arrest? Why are you walking down the street? Are you, um, where are you coming from? Maybe they're just coming from church or the grocery store. This is not good, so while well, we have to crack down on organized crime, can we do it without scorpion units or violating people's constitutional rights to walk freely in Montana? I let's, think that's very important. Let's let him answer that. Thanks for the call, Emmett. Okay, Austin, lots there. Go ahead, please. Yeah, Emmett, absolutely. And I, I could not agree with you more. So uh, a couple of things there. First of all, I guess I haven't heard the term scorpion unit, but I, I think I certainly understand what, what you're talking about and the kind of policing that you're talking about. First of all, just as a matter of our state constitution, we have an enhanced right to privacy in Montana, actually uh, above and beyond what the federal constitution provides, right? So under the federal constitution, we have what we call Terry stops, you know, stop and frisk. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. You know, as long as someone is is is, is Mirandized, uh, depending on the facts and circumstances. One of the challenges we have with a lot of our federal law enforcement in Montana is they don't understand that our state constitution actually guarantees an enhanced right to privacy that really doesn't allow a lot of the tactics that you're talking about. And I, I, I really do think it's one of the good things about our state constitution 
Uh, that, that, that's very well documented in all of our jurisprudence from, from the Montana Supreme Court. And it's something that we really have to educate a lot of the federal law enforcement that come into Montana that just think, oh, wow, I mean, it's, it's the same, same laws applies here as, as apply in Washington, D.C. That's just not the case. So that's number one. Number two, we do not cotton to that kind of garbage at the Montana Law Enforcement Academy. I mean, we just we don't teach it and we don't allow it. Uh, all of the all the police in Montana, whether you're a, a, a sheriff's deputy, whether you're a local police chief, uh, the lo- local police department, whether you're a tribal officer, a fish and game warden, they all go through the same basic academy at the Montana Law Enforcement Academy. We, we, we make them all take it together because we want them to all get the same training and to all be able to rely on each other in, in instances where they need backup. One of the really great things about having one law enforcement academy in Montana is that we're really able to pivot fast when the the legal landscape changes or, or when we need to make changes to training like you're talking about where we need to address, you know, chokeholds or, you know, certain types of shakedown tactics. We can address that really quickly and, and just nip that in the bud and say, no, we do not do that kind of business here in Montana. That is not good standard police operating procedure in Montana. We're not going to allow it. The other thing that I will tell you that the Law Enforcement Academy does really well here in Montana, we flush out a lot of bad officers. And I I give a lot of credit to the training staff at the Montana Law Enforcement Academy. Look, they're with those cadets, 60 cadets at a time for each class for several weeks. And it doesn't take long to find cadets who are maybe wrongheaded, who are maybe hot-headed, uh, are more interested in having a fight than they are in de-escalation, uh, who, who are interested in, in, in a power trip and having a badge and a gun, than they are in doing the right thing. Now, may, I, may, and, I, may I jump in again, and ask a, ask a quick question, Austin? Uh, 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 well, one of the things we've heard about is there's a lot of law enforcement folks from all over the country, California, New York, Illinois, that are coming to places like Montana and Idaho wanting to practice their craft away from all the political correctness. Do those folks also have to go through, who've already become our officers in their own state, do they have to attend our law enforcement academy before they can be uh, placed uh, in Montana? They do. That, that, so that's called a lateral. We, 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 so first of all, you're correct. We are getting a lot of officers from law enforcement unfriendly places, right? Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, uh, go down the list. We our, our our recruitment right now for out-of-state law enforcement is really really high. We've got we've got a lot of law enforcement who are moving to Montana. That's a good thing. But to answer your question, no, you can't just hire them, give them a badge and a gun, and send them out. We actually make them come back to the Montana Law Enforcement Academy, even though most of them have gone through basic training already. We will do a shorter lateral training class just to make sure that these officers showing up. No Montana law. Like I said, a lot of them are really unfamiliar with Montana's enhanced right to privacy. And that's very important that we train officers in Montana on how to handle those situations and, and what they can and can't do, uh, because most of those officers are not familiar with that. All right. Uh, but the quick answer to your question is yes, we, we make them go through the academy. Fantastic. We're going to take a 60-second timeout, and we'll get we Mr. Wingnut. We have Va and Adam. We'll try to get as many calls as we can for our Attorney General Austin Knutson in one minute.
Okay, we're back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. Nick Christensen over there taking your phone calls. Our Attorney General Austin Knutson is on the phone along with Mr. Wingnut. Mr. Nutt, you're on with our Attorney General. Go ahead. Well, good morning. Uh, earlier in the week, I called to address the old canard. The immigration system is broken, and I pointed out it's really not the immigration system. It's the border that is broken. And had a five-point plan on, on called the old mule packer plan on how to deal with that. And I got 2.3 before timed out for a break. And But point action item number four is to list the cartels as a terror, terrorist group. And I know there's a move on the national level to do that. But it, it kind of seems to me that at the state level, you're kind of like the little Dutch boy in the, in the dike with the hole in it. And you're running around putting bowls on the floor to catch the spray instead of stopping the, the hole in the dike. But if, if they are listed as a terrorist organization, you need to go after them as in the military sense. Um, if, if we don't, what's going to happen is they're going to keep influencing our system, either you know through slavery and through drugs and through corruption, in, in that our system is going to become just as corrupt as Mexico is. Our politicians are going to need to be bought off or killed just like they are in Mexico. So it would behoove us to do something about it sooner than later. In part, so my quick point is we need to go after the cartels as terrorist groups. All right. Thanks for the call. So what do you think, Austin? I think you're spot on. Uh, that's, that's exactly why I've asked Congress to do exactly that. Uh, I and several of my colleagues, other state attorneys general, we've called on on Congress to do exactly that, to designate these cartels as terrorist organizations, because that's exactly what they are. They're they're shipping poison into our country and specifically into our states. Uh, but I, I mean, I got to tell you, you're 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 barking up the wrong tree here. I, I can send all the letters I want to Congress. I can sue the administration. Uh, that's really about the only arrows I have in my quiver. You need to put some pressure on John Tester. Senator Tester needs to hear this. Senator Tester needs to hear pressure from home. He's up for re-election. Believe me, he's going to listen to you right now because he's got to get re-elected in about a year and a half. Um, This is a huge problem. Senator Tester's complicit in it. It's his party that's allowing this to happen. It's his former Senate colleague, President Biden, who is turning a blind eye, who is handcuffing Customs and Border Patrol, who, who is not allowing federal immigration law to be enforced. Uh, John Tester is the one who needs to hear this. I, I can tell you Steve Daines is on the right side of this. Congressman Zinke's on the right side of this. Congressman Rosendale's on the right side of this. Governor Gianforte is on the right side of this. I'm on the right side of this. Senator Tester is who needs to hear this. All right, let's, uh, let's get another call in. This is Adam. Adam, you're on with our Attorney General. Go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, hey, so i got a question. I'm a public employee for a county here in western Montana, and I've been working here for nine years. And nine years ago, when I first uh, took the employment, I asked the state labor board to not to uh, approve me not joining the union, and they agreed because of my reasons. So nine years later, now they're saying, no, you don't have to join the union, but you do have to pay into their retirement, and it's $340 a month that I can't afford. So I'm wondering, is there any state law that they can fall back on? Well, too bad, Adam, the law says you have to. Or is this probably just a policy 
somewhere in the CBA. Right. Um, I don't know where to turn. I was going to call the governor, but you're on the radio today, so hey. I'm going to hang up and hear your answer. You bet. Thanks for the call. Okay, Austin, uh, what what can you what can uh, this gentleman do? Well, this is a huge issue, and I, I Adam, I appreciate the phone call because frankly, it's something a little novel. Uh, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that I I would need to do a little bit of homework, but I I do have a little experience with what you're talking about. This is a pretty common complaint that we get in the state. I don't think. And again, I'm going to preface that by saying I I don't think. I don't think there is a state law they can fall back on that. But look, we've still got a lot of very pro-union kind of throwback 100-year-old laws in the state. Uh, We're we're one of the last states standing. We, We had a very, very important U.S. Supreme Court case here a few years ago that dealt with exactly this issue. It dealt with mandatory union dues. And the fact we had people who didn't want to be part of the union and who were being forced to pay into the union, and they disagreed on First Amendment grounds because their union dues that they were being forced to pay against their will were then being used by the unions to support candidates that those members did not approve of. Uh, and it, had, it, it, it came down on, on free speech grounds. The U.S. Supreme Court actually ruled that that was unconstitutional, that unions can't do that. I'll tell you that the unions in Montana have kind of complied. Uh, they, I, they, they've, they're certainly stretching the boundaries of what the law is. I, I, I think what's probably going to have to happen here is we're going to have to have some of the unions get sued in Montana on the same ground. I think the legislature needs to step in and get and get more serious about Austin, some of these union issues. We, yeah. we've, we've got exactly two minutes left, and I wanted to go ahead and give the uh, let you get up on the soapbox and talk about your budget issues again for folks who may have just joined us. Got about a minute and a half. Okay, I can do that real quickly, but I, the, the, the quick answer to your last caller, I, I, I think you need to talk to the governor's office as well, uh, but I, I hope I helped out. You bet. Um, so, yeah, in the last last minute or so I've got here, Appreciate your listeners. Appreciate all the phone calls, Peter. As always, it's fun. House Bill 2 is the state budget, uh, the Department of Justice. We are asking for some modest increases for narcotics agents, for a few more major crimes agents, for some more human trafficking agents. We're not shooting the moon here. I'm not asking for a gigantic increase. I'm a fiscal conservative, but we cannot keep policing Montana like it's 1995. It just isn't. We've got more population. We're seeing a huge uptick in illicit drugs and a huge uptick in violent crime. And we have to be able to respond to this. It's my job to try to keep the people of Montana safe. And uh, that that's the tools that I need in my toolbox to do it. So with that, Thanks for your time, Peter. Always you a good bet. time. Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, all of our listeners are grateful. And we would love to have you anytime you're available. Anytime. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right. So, Nick, uh, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous radio program? So we're going to have open phones from 830 to 9. Then some folks from the Department of Commerce will join us from 9 to 930. Uh, They were going to be from 9 to 10, but we had some scheduling conflicts. So they'll be leaving at 930. So then we'll have open phones. So an open (laughs) phone sandwich there. (laughs) All right. You guys get out there and make it a great day. Thank you all for your calls. You guys are awesome as always. And I hope you'll uh, take the time to join us tomorrow morning uh, for Friday, obviously, for another exciting edition of Montana Morning. Till then, take care.